Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. It's interesting looking around the room right now because some of you who, those weren't your biological children, (laughs) and yet some of you are in tears. Um, I was a little bit too because we love them. And they're children of this church um, that are growing into young men and women um, of this church. And so graduates, we are super proud of you. Um, If you don't know, my name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at The Vine. And to watch them grow up um, and to be pointed by their parents to the Lord, um, but more and more to make that their own um, is, is just a beautiful thing. Um, and, it's, and it's wonderful to see that. I also want to talk to graduates today. So you've heard now today is graduation Sunday. But I'm not just going to talk to graduates because what we have to talk about today is the Word of God. And so the Word of God applies to all of us um, in different ways. But I'm going to address uh, several things with, with graduates this morning as well. So uh, some of the graduates who, who are still in the room right now, um, some of them were also at the first service, just, they were outside. But um, for those that are still in here right now, when you tell somebody that you're graduating, right? Tell somebody you're graduating and, and you're looking at them and, and they respond to you, right? They often respond to you. They don't always give a verbal response, Right? But they often respond to you. So, so what's, the, what's the question, one of the main questions you get right now when you tell somebody you're graduating? What's, huh? Where are you going to college? All right, there's one of them. Any others? Anybody else want to chime in? What other question do you get? Yeah, what are, you, what are you doing next in general, right? Or maybe are you, you, know, are you going to live at home or are you going to live at school? Um, and the questions go on and on, right? And when, when people respond to you, and they always respond, don't they? Maybe not with words, but you can see with their body language or, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the look on their face that they either think when you share with them what you're doing, ooh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> or, oh, that's a good plan. That kid's got a good head on their shoulders. Like, you can see that, can't you, sometimes when you're talking to people? Well, let me let you in on a little secret, all right? Every one of us have had moments like that in our lives, and they didn't stop when we, after we told people where we're going to school or decisions we're making after we graduate. Um, as we walk through life and we tell people our plans or the things we're doing, you know what? Sometimes just with our body language, for all of us, you get the, ooh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> or, that's a good plan. But, but our way of evaluating those things is often... So, so much of the responses we, we get from other people is often around their ideas of what constitutes a good plan. And it's very subjective, dependent on a person's experiences and a person's life circumstances. You know, it's been said, there's a, there's a quote out there that good judgment comes from experiences, but experiences come from poor judgment. Right? It's one of those, those quotes out there. Um, I'm not buying into that right now. I'm just saying. Uh, but see, we all tend to, we, we all um, read into someone else's circumstances, our own life experiences, the things we've gone through, and, and we evaluate their decisions based on things we've experienced in our life. So we decide, I decide for, for a Ben, when Ben tells me his plan, I decide... 
that's a bad idea or that's a good idea, often based on things I've gone through, right? We all do those things. But what I want us to see today is that there is a higher standard. There is a higher criteria that is good for us as, uh, to, to determine what is good for us as we make plans. We're going to look at the standard um, that, that if, we're going to look at that standard today, and, and I know a lot of times we think it would just be easier if God would just write down on a piece of paper and hand to me and say, this is the college you should go to. Or if God would write down on a piece of paper and hand it to me and say, um, you know, later in life, this is who you should marry, or, and the list goes on and on, right? You should take this job instead of this job. If he'd just do it that way, that'd be so much easier, um, and yet... The reality is we'd still argue with him probably because too often we want our own way. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 9, and we're going to see this standard today. Um, and as we look at this today, we're going to see, he says, um, there's a bad idea in the way we make our plans, and there's a good plan, a good idea in the way we do that. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 9, and I remind you as we turn to it that this is God's word. The plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Let's let's pray one more time together. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, we ask that you would speak through it to the hearts of those that have gathered here together today. We ask that you would bring hope, that you would bring encouragement, that you would bring us a faith and a trust to walk this life following you. Lord, as you do so, we pray that you would minister to those who are hurting, who feel far from you even in these moments. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we're looking at this passage, we broke it up this way um, intentionally for several reasons. Uh, But if you were paying attention when I was reading it, uh, you probably noticed that verse 1 and verse 9 sounded a good bit similar. Um, you look up there on the screen, the, the, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And then verse 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And without going into a lot of detail here, uh, the Hebrew language demonstrates verse 1 and 9 to be the bookends of, of a particular collection of sayings. And then these, 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 this collection of sayings in the next section is applied to kings and leaders. And, uh, but but for, for our sake today, um, these, this is the bookend of, of what we're talking about. And, and the main focus is all our good answers, all our purposes, all our proper ends and right steps 
said differently, all of our good plans and ideas are from the Lord. But that means then that there are also bad plans and bad ideas. The Lord shows us um, how we can be prone to coming up with, with bad ideas and bad plans. And that's our first point. And so it's like the Lord saying, you tell the Lord, here's my plan. And it's, almost, it's like the Lord saying, mm, that's a bad idea. Right? Let me show you why it's a bad idea. So look at verse 2. What makes the idea or plan bad? It, it's not the outcome necessarily. It's not people's response to it necessarily. Um, that's not what he shows us in the passage. He says in verse 2, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. So as human beings, we usually do things because they seem what? Right to us. We usually do things because they seem right to us or they seem good to us. Now, we seek advice. We learn from others. We determine what we think is best. And, and that's not bad in and of itself. In, in other Proverbs, it says there's wisdom in many counselors. So we're, we're not saying you don't have many counselors. But this passage is a call to understand that, that what seems right in our own eyes, our, our own thoughts, our own actions, those things are not always pure. We don't always act with pure motives. And then the things that seem good and right to us, when, when we feel that they're good and right, we feel like we've got control of the situation. And so we think, well, we're good to go. But the passage reminds us, no, no. It's not about what seems right in your own eyes. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Um, and then in our passage in, in the second half of verse 2, it says, It is the Lord that weighs the spirit or the inward motives of a person. The Lord weighs our hearts. If you remember throughout other parts of Proverbs when we've talked about the heart and throughout the Hebrew language, when it talks about the heart, it's talking about the core of our being, the, the core of who we are. Is, is what it means when it says our heart. And so what he's saying here is, when weighed against what God is saying, we are told that our hearts are sinful. Our hearts are selfish. Our hearts are seeking control to gain what we want most. That is to be able to decide what is best for us so that we can be accepted, so that we can have power, so that we can find comfort or maybe security. And, and when we can't seem to get control like we want then it leads to those other things. Maybe deceitfulness. Or maybe to be vindictive towards others. Make others suffer because we feel like we've been made to suffer. Or that they've kept us from what we want. Now, that, this plays out in our culture um, in more common words. Not necessarily words you read in Proverbs. But this, this desire to do what seems right to us, to please us, plays, plays out in phrases like this. Now, I want you to look at me a minute because I want to see if you've heard these phrases before, okay? Phrases like this. What's your truth? Or you need to find your truth. Or just follow your heart. Those things sound great. Unfortunately... They are at the root of our problem because our hearts are at the root of our problem. Our hearts, our core, outside of Christ in us, are sinful. Nowhere in the Bible 
either does it say that God adopts man's standards of right and wrong. And so when we do what pleases us, when we follow what these phrases say, it's like saying as long as it feels right or feels good to us, then it must be good. And it's our tendency then to think pretty highly of ourselves, right? Because now we've put ourselves as the authority. Here's the thing, though. Even when we think really highly of ourselves, the Lord weighs the Spirit. And the Lord knows what's driving our decisions. That's why there's the, the um, caution or the warning of verses 4 and 5. Look back there with me. He says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. So here's what he's, go- here's what he's getting at. When our hearts are weighed and we're found to be trusting in our own ability and, and trusting in our own goodness, when we're walking through life and we, we make our plans or come up with our ideas Failing to remember without an understanding that our hearts are sinful and our motives are often impure. When we we think we have all the right answers and we're not willing to be humble before the Lord. Here's what he's saying in verse 4 and 5. Then we are setting ourselves up and begin to look like what we see there in these verses. So in in verse 4 it says the Lord has made everything for its purpose. The word purpose here, the Hebrew word here for purpose is... The Lord has made everything for its proper end. What's the proper end for the wicked? Verse 4, it's the day of trouble, the day of judgment. What's the proper end for the arrogant in heart? It is to be punished. We deserve to be punished because we're arrogant. We think we got it. That's what we deserve. That would be our proper end. Because we think what's right in our own eyes is what's right. But there is good news. Followers of Jesus may suffer consequences of our actions here on earth. And and that's true. We may suffer consequences for the things we do. But Jesus already took the full punishment that we deserve for us. And it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to understand it because as we understand the tendency of our heart to sin in this way, by making what we think or what pleases us to be the standard for our plans and ideas, as we we start to make that shift, understanding that, then we will become more grateful for the work of Jesus on our behalf. Our hearts start to change and we become more and more grateful. And we'll begin to look to Him to lead and guide us in our daily lives because He, through the Holy Spirit, is changing us. And then our plans are more and more formed around what Jesus said is good for us in His Word. Our plans are more and more formed around... Come back to me. Just make sure you hear this. Our plans are more and more formed around what Jesus, the one who has loved us more deeply than anyone in this life can love us, Our plans are formed around what He says is good for us. Let me go back to students for a minute. Students in our passage, right? God is saying here, 
that when we simply make decisions based on what seems good to us, that leads, it leads us away from God. The proper end, the proper end is punishment. The proper end is the day of trouble. But Jesus has taken that punishment for us. And then God says, there's also a good plan. And there's a good way to go about this. It's like when those people look at you and you know they're thinking, now that's a good plan. That's what we see God showing in verse 3. Look back there with me for a minute. Verse 3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Verse 3 is the remedy of what we see going on in verse 2. It's the opposite. In verse 3, it's saying, if you, so, so in verse 2, I mean, it said, again, it's saying, if you do what is pleasing in your own eyes, your own standard of, uh, of what is good, then verse 4 and 5 will happen. Now, the opposite is true in verse 3. If we commit our work to the Lord, if we lay our thoughts and actions before God and submit to His ways and what is right in His eyes, then we'll be, we will be get guided in truth and righteousness and our faith will grow. What does that look like? Well, well, rather than do what seems right in our own eyes, we have to do what is impossible in our own strength. I'm going to say that again, because I believe it's kind of the core of what we're talking about this morning. Rather than do what seems right in our own eyes, we have to do what is impossible to do in our own strength. We need to commit to what is good in God's eyes. So the word commit here, the Hebrew word, um, it, it, it literally means to roll upon the Lord. All right? That means over and over and over again, we're coming back to him. We're, we're coming back and committing to him over and over and over again throughout a plan, throughout our lives, learning that we can keep coming back to him, that, that roll upon him, so to speak. He's telling us that thinking and acting in the way that God says is good for us is not normal or natural to us. And so we need to roll upon him. We need to be dependent on God by his spirit to think and act and plan in the ways that he says are good for us. This is a continual thing. Turning to him in dependence again and again. Asking Him to be in our plans. Asking Him to be with us and change our way of thinking to be more like His way of thinking. When we turn to Him in dependence and faith, He will bring us to its proper end. It's just like He says He'll do with those who, are, who persist in following what's good in their own eyes. In verse 3 and 4, the proper end. Now we have the proper end for those who are turning in dependence and faith on the Lord again and again, committing our way to Him again and again. And we see that proper end in verses 6 through 8. Verse 6 says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. What is this steadfast love? This is really important. This steadfast love is the love of God. The steadfast love is the, the covenant love of God that he puts on his people through the work of Jesus when we could do nothing to earn it. We could do nothing to gain it. 
It's shown throughout the whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament that, that we need this, this love and this sacrifice to atone for our sins, to pay for them. But ultimately, it's shown to us through Jesus. And so it's by God's love and God's faithfulness through Jesus that sin and iniquity is atoned for. That's what he's saying in verse 6. Do you get why it's important? I think there's two reasons. And one is that we now have a God who because of Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection on our behalf, we now have a God who is approachable by His people. Because our sins have been atoned for, we, he, we, he is now approachable to us so that we can come back to Him, that, that whole role upon Him, we can come back to Him again and again. Through Jesus, we can come to Him and He will hear us. We can commit our plans to him because we're not doing it based on what we think is best, but we're coming to him and asking him to work things out for what he says is best. That's a submission to him. And we can come again and again and again. We can know his character and what he says is good for us in his word. And we, and we can ask him to keep changing us, to follow it, to make it clear to us over and over again. When one of my kids was eight years old, he might have been nine, but I think he was eight. He decided, he came and announced that he wanted to cook his own grilled ham and cheese sandwich. And when he came to me um, for years, he had been with us, you know, for um, roughly eight years, probably not that many, uh, but he had been coming in the kitchen with us to help us. He, he loved to be in there. He loved to help with those things. He paid attention. He learned different things about how to cook along the way. And he had even made a grilled ham and cheese sandwich with, with us in there with him um, at this point. But now... He's decided he wants to cook a grilled ham and cheese sandwich all on his own. All right? Everybody with me? All on his own. We say, okay, buddy. So we step, we, we step out of the kitchen. We're sitting in the living room. I think Carrie Ann, uh, my wife, may have gone into to the bedroom. And after a few minutes, after we left him to do it on his own, here's what we hear. Mom, is it okay to use this bread? Dad, uh, what, what temperature should I have the burner on? And, and do I put butter in the pan first or second? Hey, hey um, Dad, is, is it okay if I use your jalapeno seasoning? That's really good on a grilled ham and cheese, by the way. Uh, Dad, Dad, how long do I cook it on the first side? Or, or, and what about the second? Is it different? We're a lot like my nine-year-old, though, or eight-year-old, or however old he was. We often think that we graduate from God and graduate from our need to ask Him to guide us. We're, we're almost like taught in some ways, like subtly, not, not truly taught this way, but almost taught subtly that, well, I've learned that lesson, so I can't keep going back to God for that one. But in reality, 
We're like the the eight-year-old with his grilled cheese. We need to come back to God over and over and over again. We need to come to Him again and again, committing our work to Him, asking Him to guide us step by step, asking Him to test the things of our hearts, to show us our sinful motives, asking Him to weigh it, and then be willing to change what we're doing when He shows us our motives are wrong. When we turn to the Lord in faith, committing our works to Him, acknowledging that we need Him to work work in our plans again and again, what's happening there is what we see in the second part of verse 6. When that happens, we are growing in the fear of the Lord. This means that that growing in the fear of the Lord means we we are caring more and more about what God says is good for us. Because we're growing in our trust in Him as we turn to Him over and over. And here's what happens. When we grow in the fear of the Lord, when these things are happening, it deters us from sin. And that is good for for two things. And I'm like, well, it's good for us, right? But it's also good, verse 7 says, for our relationships. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Is what it says in verse 7. When we fear the Lord, it causes us to turn to Him, to ask Him by the Holy Spirit to keep us from sin against our neighbor or against our our enemies, um, this verse uses. That brings more peace. You know that the less you sin against your neighbor, you're going to have more peace with them? It brings us more peace. Now, it's not a one-to-one correlation. You all have enough experience in life to know that you might not have sinned against somebody and that doesn't always mean you're going to have peace with them. Right? But it's a general truth, it's a general rule that as we follow this, we will have more and more peace with those around us. And it's good for our culture, it's good for those we're around. It also deters us from sin, and that is good for our outlook and our hope in life. Verse 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. When we turn to the Lord over and over, It causes us to trust Him, to fear Him. And we learn that life with Him, the life of righteousness, is substantially better than a life of injustice. So much so that that even if we don't have what everyone else has, or, or we don't have everything we think we want, but we have the Lord's presence with us, teaching us again and again to have faith and trust in Him, then in the long run, He will restore our outlook and hope in this life. Again, I want to be clear that this isn't a, hey, do this and snap, everything changes and everything's good. We get messed up sometimes in the church because of our microwave society, so to speak. But this is a pattern of walking with Him, Walking in fear of the Lord and what He says is good for us, and over time, He restores our outlook and our hope in this life. And then in verse 9, we see the summary of all this. The heart of, the man, of a man plans his way, but the Lord 
establishes his steps. He comes back and he says, this is a, this is a reminder that, that we may try our best to take or keep control, but we need the Lord to guide us. We need the Lord to lead us each day. After my son had finished making the grilled cheese, all on his own, he was very proud. He was very encouraged. And he went and he sat down at the table. He even cut it in a little triangle, you know. Um, and he sits down at the table. And I went and sat down beside him. And he starts to eat it. And then he stops. Still very proud. But he said, Daddy, thank you for letting me keep asking questions. He was thankful that I was approachable, that my wife was approachable, that we continued to guide, that we didn't get tired of his questions, or at least didn't show it outwardly. <laughs> well, God's better than that. God doesn't get tired of us turning to him and asking questions. He doesn't get tired of us coming to him again and again. And so for you graduates, um, and this is for everyone, but I want to speak directly to you. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll upon, I know that's weird words, but it, roll back upon him again and again and again. Because yes, he is a holy and righteous and just God, but the holy and righteous and just God through the work of Jesus, has allowed you to call him daddy and to keep coming back to him again and again and to know that he will hear you, that he will guide you, that he will establish your steps. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your work so that through you we might come to the king of all the universe knowing that we won't be punished because you, Jesus, were punished on our behalf. Knowing that instead we can cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father, and know that you will hear us again and again. And that by your Spirit's work in us, you will continue to change us. You will continue, Lord, to help us to live unto righteousness and to die to the sin that's within us. So, Lord, even now as we prepare our hearts for your table, Lord, we ask that you would hear these silent confessions from your people. Lord, of where we so often want to do the things that seem right in our own eyes. Hear those things from your people now um, in these few moments of silence. Lord, we thank you um, for the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ.
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.